Hey, Seven Mile Road, Pastor Clint here as we walk through 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning. While nothing can replace gathering together as the family of God to worship and hear the preaching of God's word, our hope through these scattered gatherings is that all of us would be anchored together to the Lord through word and prayer. In the midst of frenzy and panic, in the midst of all the uncertainty of what's going on, we know where to run. We run to the Lord who is our refuge and strength. Pray with me this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this timely message from 1 Peter chapter 1. I pray as we anchor ourselves to you through your word this morning, that you would speak to us in the midst of our suffering, and that we would know that you hear us and that you respond to us and that you care for us. Help us now as we look to your word. Holy Spirit, would you give us illumination wherever we are right now, scattered throughout our cities, God, I pray that you would meet us in this time as the people of God, scattered as we are, but under uh, uh, one Lord, one Spirit, one baptism, one Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you and trust you this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Suffering is the great equalizer. It is indiscriminate against wealth and poverty, age and ethnicity, race, and whatever category you can imagine. It doesn't matter who you are, if you live long enough, you will experience suffering. And right now, this isn't hypothetical. Everybody is going through it. Everyone's life has been upended by COVID-19. Schools are shut down, businesses are closed, some people are out of work right now, and some are wondering if they will join the unemployment line as well. Some are fearful about contracting the virus as they go out shopping for their daily needs. Some are anxious about the economy and what's going to happen, and some rightly so, are worried if they're going to have enough toilet paper to make it through to the end. And in the midst of all the worry and panic and frenzy, God's word has hope for us this morning. Real hope and a real God who really does care about you and me. So my hope this morning, as we look through 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 through 9, we would see what God has to say to us about suffering. In this passage, we're going to learn three things about suffering. First, we're going to learn about the reality of suffering. Second, we're going to learn about the results that's produced by suffering. And finally, we're going to learn about the relief that is coming from our suffering. So we'll see the reality, the results, and the relief. Now look with me as we look at verse 3. First Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay, if we stop right there, we're going to see that God is to be praised. He is blessed for three reasons. First, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, he has given us an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it's preserved right now in heaven for you and me, where the effects of the fall cannot touch it. Peter begins his letter with the good news 
of the gospel. You see, because God is rich in mercy, he sent his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on a rescue mission to live for us and to die for us so that through his resurrection, we would have a real and living hope. Not fake hope, not feel-good hope, but real, tangible hope based not on circumstances, not on um, the things that are going on around us right now, but on the finished, settled work of Jesus Christ. And that is why God is to be praised. You and I were dead in our trespasses uh, because of our sin, but by grace and through faith in Jesus, we are born again. And if that weren't enough, as the children of God, we have an inheritance that is awaiting us that will not perish. It cannot be defiled and it will not fade away. Right now, it is being preserved. It is secure in heaven for you and me. And God promises that you don't have to worry if you will make it to the end. God himself, by his very power, his omnipotent power, is working through your faith to guard you, to keep you, and to preserve you so that you endure to the end. Friends, that is the gospel. That is the good news. And it's the good news that we need every day. And it's especially good news for today and the world of suffering that we're in right now. Coronavirus has nothing on the gospel. Now look with me at verse six. Peter says this, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Now, let's break this verse down. First, he says, in this you rejoice. Rejoice in what? And the trials? No, no, no. He's talking about the thing that just came before. It's the gospel. See, our rejoicing is not contingent on our present circumstances. We can endure even trials of various kinds. Peter is saying suffering is a reality, but it's not ground to extinguish our rejoicing. Even when things are hard and difficult, even when today and even tomorrow seems uncertain, we always have reason to rejoice. Suffering cannot take away from us the hope we have in the gospel. You could literally have everything taken away. And even then, Peter says, you have great reason to rejoice. That's why he says, though for a little while. Now, how can Peter say that? It's because Peter knows the whole story. If you've been with us at Seven Mile Road, you know we frequently go back to the beginning in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and we frequently look forward to the end because the beginning and the end, those bookends help us know our whole story. And he can say our present suffering is just for a little while. It didn't start this way and it won't end this way. See, suffering entered our world when sin entered the Garden of Eden. Matt Smeher says it like this, ever since the ancient revolt, suffering has been woven with perplexity and pain into the fabric of human experience. We all live and move and have our being amid Eden's wreckage. Affliction and evil, universal as they are real, haunt us, stalk us, and plague us. While the suffering is a reality that can't be avoided, Peter says it only lasts for a little while. Knowing that suffering has an end and is relatively brief in terms of eternity makes it a little more bearable. Peter is offering us hope in the midst of darkness. 
What he's saying is, hang on. This will only last for a short while because salvation is coming. Peter also writes that these trials are various. Another way to translate uh, that word various kinds is that they're many colored. You see, Peter doesn't have in mind just one kind or one type of suffering. He knows there are varying degrees and various kinds of suffering because it can come in many different forms. See, sometimes suffering, we suffer because uh, people sin against you. Sometimes people suffer because of self-inflicted wounds. And there's a kind of suffering that all of us are experiencing right now simply because we live in a broken world natural disasters, death of loved ones, diseases like cancer and COVID-19. These are all forms of suffering, trials of various kinds. In fact, later on in this same letter, Peter will write these words, chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter is writing to a people who are experiencing immense suffering. And he says, you have been grieved by various trials. He doesn't say you might have to suffer. He says, you have suffered. He says, don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange when you go through trials of various kinds. And the implication, which everyone knows, is that more is probably coming. You see, suffering doesn't happen once and then it's over. There are seasons of suffering that we go through. Suffering in, in the life of anybody is not a mere possibility. Rather, suffering is an inevitability. He's saying, expect it. Do not be surprised at suffering. We know this is true, we know this is true even if we live our lives like it's not. See, instead of preparing for the inevitability of suffering, we often spend most of our time trying to safeguard our lives to make sure that we can never be touched by suffering. We often think if we can just put um, precautions in place, if we can make sure that this is in order and we put that there, then we'll never be harmed or touched or affected by suffering. Friends, you cannot stop grief. You cannot stop death. Financial hardships, unexpected losses, diseases, disasters, and evils of various kinds are part of the fabric of this world. No amount of precautions, no amount of safeguardings can fully protect you from all of them. So we must anticipate suffering. We live in a world that is marked by death. It's marked by entropy and decay and destruction. This is the world we live in. Now listen to me. When we experience the reality of suffering, it is okay to grieve. That's why Peter said we're grieved by various trials. See, inherent to suffering is the loss of suffering. It's the loss of something. When, when we suffer, we're, we're losing something. And in the wake of that loss, we experience deep and lasting pain. That can come physically, emotionally, socially and spiritually. So listen to me. When you experience suffering and it hurts, it is okay to hurt. If you need to cry, cry. God created our emotions and it's healthy to be honest and aware of our feelings so that we can, in a healthy way, process them. God allows us 
to be human. Don't feel like you have to be stoic or this impenetrable fortress when you go through suffering. The Christian can rejoice in what the Lord is doing in their life, knowing that uh, the gift we have in the gospel on one hand is a precious gift that we can rejoice in, and at the same time, we can feel the pain of suffering. It is not an either-or, it is a both-and. It does not have to be either-or. In fact, it shouldn't be. This is the easiest point to make because you and I not only have experienced suffering, but right now we're all experiencing suffering together. You know it hurts. That's not the groundbreaking news this morning. But what may be groundbreaking for you is the reality that God is more than okay with your honest response to suffering. This will be very important in the weeks and months ahead, not to bury and suppress our feelings, but to talk about them. That's why we've created this weekly Wednesday night Zoom call to talk to each other, to, to pray for one another. You'll be hearing from your gospel community leaders about how to connect via Zoom in the weeks ahead as we meet online. Your pastors are going to be calling you to check in, to ask how are you doing, and we want your real and honest response. Call each other. You do not need permission to be the church. You are the church. Let's be the church. Let's call each other. Let's check on one another so that we might be strengthened in this time. Though we can't physically connect together during this time, it doesn't mean that we should go through this season alone. That's the reality of our current suffering. Now look with me at verse 7 to see the results of suffering. Peter writes this, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, right there in this verse, Peter introduces the purpose or the results of suffering. He does that with these two little words, so that. That means these are grammatical markers that indicate purpose and result. What Peter is saying is your suffering is not meaningless and it is not purposeless. It has a meaning. It is not futile. And this should encourage us. Why? Because if we were subject to senseless, meaningless, futile suffering, it would bring us to utter despair. But suffering that results in something better is bearable. Then Peter gives us this illustration to help us understand it. He says, when we experience suffering, our faith is being tested like gold going through the refiner's fire. See, when you take gold out of the ground, it always has impurities mixed in with it. And it goes into the crucible, into the fire, so that it can burn out the impurities. See, when gold goes into the fire, the heat softens and even melts it, but the heat does not consume the gold. It does not destroy the gold. The fire acts as a purifying process. It cleanses it and all of the dross, all of the impurities, anything that is not gold is consumed. And the result is that when our faith comes out of the fires of suffering, it comes out more pure so that our faith, when Jesus comes again, our faith will shine like gold. See, right now, your faith and my faith is not perfect. It has impurities in it. 
See, we, we, we have faith in God, real, genuine faith in God. But we also put our faith, we put our hope, we put our trust in lots of other things. So we might trust in relationships or money in our bank accounts. We might trust in our careers or our good deeds, and the list goes on and on. And all of these things are good things, but what what we're saying here is that they cannot be your ultimate trust. They cannot be what your faith is put in. They cannot be where you and I run to for ultimate security and hope. Whatever you look to in order to feel safe, that's your God. Where do you look for for your identity and self-worth? Where do you look for for power and approval and comfort and control? And the answers to these questions reveal the impurities in our faith. If we run to anything other than God for power, comfort, approval, and control, those are impurities in our faith. And suffering acts as the refiner's fire to burn those impurities out of our faith. In the crucible of suffering, the impurities that are mixed in with our faith are driven to the surface so that they can be consumed by fire. And when the present suffering cools down, our faith comes out more precious and more genuine and more authentic than it was before. And we go through seasons of suffering of various kinds so that little by little, over the course of a lifetime, our faith becomes more and more pure. Suffering, unlike anything else, will, 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 will purify our faith. As I thought about that this week, I thought of five things that suffering can produce in your life. The first is humility. You see, when you go through suffering, you realize that you are not invincible. You're vulnerable. You can be knocked off your feet. And when that happens, humility grounds you. Often the only way to learn this kind of humility is to be humbled by suffering. Second, suffering teaches us self-awareness. You get to know yourself. You get to know your limits, your strengths, your weaknesses in ways you didn't know before your suffering. And as you get to know yourself, you're able to make better and wiser decisions. You, you, you can begin to sharpen your strengths and even deal with your weaknesses. Third, suffering produces purity. See, as our idols and impurities are exposed in the fires of suffering, we begin to see them for what they are. And with that clarity, we realize that they're not worth putting our faith and hope and trust in. And when that happens, we begin to reorganize our life and, and shift our values and our priorities so that they're more in line with the things of God. The things that get stripped away that you once thought you had to have to be happy are found to be trivial. And we learn what is most important. Fourth, Suffering teaches us dependency and intimacy with God. You and I were created for dependency and intimacy with God. And suffering brings us to this place of vulnerability where we have to depend on Him. And it's there that we learn to find Him as our most satisfying thing. Fifth, suffering produces character. Suffering teaches us hard lessons. It shapes our character so that we become more wise, so that we become more loving, so that we become more compassionate than we were before. 
and it helps us to help others so that when they go through suffering, we can be of help to them because we've been there before. Now, this list isn't exhaustive, but it should give us some categories to think through the good that God wants to do in us as we're going through this time of suffering. Friends, do not believe the lie that your suffering is meaningless. It's not. God wants to produce in us something that could not otherwise be achieved. Now look with me at verse 8 to see our relief from suffering. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I want you to think about two categories here. Our relief from suffering is both here and now and yet to come. There is an already, there is a relief for today and there is a not yet. There is a relief that is coming. Look what he says. He says, believers right now have not seen Jesus, yet by faith we love him and we believe in him. And that faith in Christ and that love for him is the foundation of a relationship with him. Another way to say it is by believing in him and loving him, we are in this relationship with God. And the very fact that we have a relationship with God the Father through Christ the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit is grounds for inexpressible joy. Now, how is that relief for today? Because when you are in a relationship with God who loves you, you realize that He is there to be near to you and to comfort you. Now, that's implied here, but look at how Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Here we see God the Father is the source of all comfort, and Jesus Christ is the channel through which he pours out his comfort abundantly. Throughout the scriptures, we find and learn about God's character, that he is near to the brokenhearted. Let me give you just a couple of examples. Psalm 22, verse 24, For he has not despised or abhorred the afflicted of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him. He has heard him when he cried to him. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. So how do you receive the comfort that comes from the Lord? You go to him, you talk to him, you cry to him, you sit with him, you listen to his words from the scripture, you listen to his words and prayer. And that is relief for today. Today, you can go to him in the midst of our suffering. But Peter also says that we have an ultimate relief that is coming. Peter says, though you don't see him now, there is coming a day when you will see him and you will obtain the outcome of your faith, the full, final, and complete salvation of your soul. Do you remember everything that Peter said in verses three to five about the gospel? He started with the gospel and now he ends with the gospel. 
Our hope is a living hope because Jesus himself was raised from the dead. And that tells us that we too will be raised. And we have an abundant inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it is safeguarded for you and me. So if you are an adopted son or daughter of God, you are fully entitled to your coming inheritance, and it is guaranteed by the blood of Christ. And Peter says that when we see him, we will obtain the outcome of our faith. In the midst of our present suffering, our souls are anchored by these two truths right now that the God of all comfort wants to draw near to us. He wants us to draw near to him so that we might receive his comfort. And there is coming a day when all suffering will come to an end and we will obtain the full and complete and final salvation of our souls. Friends, suffering does not last forever. It has an appointed end. What does last forever? is ever-increasing joy with God. That's our hope. Listen, friends, how Peter finishes his letter. At the very end, he says these words, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Seven Mile, that is my prayer for us in this season, that we would endure this season of suffering. And then in a little while, we would all be restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are the God of all comfort. You are the God of all grace. Our suffering, though it's a reality, is not our only reality, that there is coming a day when we will obtain the full and complete and our final salvation. And so, Father, as we long for that day and as we uh, endure now, would you be near to us, the brokenhearted right now? God, would you bring healing to our land? God, would you bring stability to what is shaking right now? And in the midst of it all, would we endure? We love you. We trust you. God, would you use this season of suffering for our good and your glory, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.